2 Corinthians chapter number 5, I, I want to uh, speak this morning on the subject of my dad's early birthday present. My dad's early birthday present. My dad would have been 91 years old yesterday, but he died Friday before his birthday uh, at the age of 90 years and 364 days. This is going to sound strange, but about a week ago, when, when I saw the end coming, I actually said, Lord, uh, 90 seems better than 91. I said, 91 such an odd number. Uh, I'd like to say my dad lived to be 90. <laughs> and uh, so uh, he went home to be with the Lord uh, Friday afternoon. Uh, my brother Dave and I were with him. Uh, almost right up to the end. He died uh, painlessly and uh, peacefully, which also was an answer to prayer, uh, also to answer to prayer. So. We uh, have a graveside uh, Wednesday over at Woodlawn Cemetery in Orchard Park on South Buffalo Road. It's at 11 in the morning. You don't have to come. It's going to be very, very, very brief. Uh, but if you would like to come, I have maps here on where the gravesite can be found uh, over there. And then we're going to have a memorial service for him in the summertime when all the coals come up from all the places they live in Louisiana and Florida and Alabama, Virginia. Uh, for our reunion, we're going to have a uh, memorial service for my dad on July 15th uh, at the Calvary Heights Baptist Church in Elma, where he was a member for the last 10 years. And uh, that'll be 11 o'clock in the morning, but uh, that's six months away. Now, I, I just, I had another sermon for this morning, but I said, I cannot wait for six months to honor my father. And uh, so I'm going to do a little bit of that today. It'll be a little bit different, but there'll be enough scripture in here. I hope will help you because a lot of you never even knew my dad, but uh, you'll know him a little bit better. I think by the time I'm done uh, this morning, I thank God for him. Uh, he spent his birthday yesterday in heaven. That's not too bad for a birthday present. And I, I just thought about that. After he died Friday, he was going to spend his birthday in heaven. My dad was very clear about his faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, his conversion was something that I observed uh, with my own eyes as an 11-year-old boy and the amazing transformation that took place uh, in his life uh, after he got saved. And uh, so uh, I wanted to, I just changed the whole, I just wrote this sermon yesterday and, and I just want to uh, bring a message uh, that'll help me and I know others are watching live stream some of the relatives uh, this morning. And uh, one of the great texts, when somebody goes to be with the Lord, who was a true believer in Jesus Christ, is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to kind of read it without too many comments here, because then I want to get into just honoring my dad. I've preached about 10,000 times in my life in the last 40 years, preached, taught. I hope you don't mind me taking one out of those and honoring my father. So, verse 1, I love this. For we know. What a great start. <laughs> Isn't that great? I don't know what's going on in our church, but a lot of you have lost loved ones. Brother Mike just uh, uh, buried his mother this week, and Brother John, both his mom and dad have died in the last year, and then Bob Gorski's downstairs, and a lot of us, just just that season in our life, some of us are getting to that age where our parents are are passing away. My stepmom a year ago at 93, and my dad now. And uh, But I love the way he starts this chapter. For we know. Amen. This isn't just, uh, you know, you hear a lot of crazy things at funeral homes by people who don't know a thing. But, well, he's in a better place and all that. Well, if he's, if he's saved, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but I love the way this starts. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, that's your body, 
We have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Isn't that a great start? When this body's gone, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this, verse 2, in this current body, we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. So the body is compared to as a house or a tabernacle in this text. And currently we groan in this body. Some of you do that every morning, trying to get out of bed. You know how that is? I used to do somersaults and cartwheels when I was young, and now I fall over every time I'm trying to put my pants on in the morning. Just things are different. Man. If so, we being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle, this tent, this temporary dwelling, do groan, being burdened. Yeah, if you have burdens today, you're not unique. We all have burdens in this life. Okay, all of us are carrying some kind of burdens. Yours might be different than mine. Yours are just as real to you as mine are. But in this tabernacle, we are burdened. We're burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life, that is, of eternal life. Mortality being our death body might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us or prepared us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. And earnest is a down payment. If you go to buy a house, you put down earnest money so they know you're not wasting their time. The down payment that you have your home reserved for you in heaven is the earnest of the Spirit. That is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your current tabernacle, your current body. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, that is right now, we are absent from the Lord. All right, we're absent from the Lord, except by faith, verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, we have never seen the Lord. We are absent from the Lord physically. He's in heaven, we're down here on earth But we're not separated from him. Our faith joins us to the Lord. And currently, verse 7, we walk by faith. My dad will never need faith again. Because now it's sight. We give up our faith for sight when we go home to be with the Lord. We are confident, I say, verse 8, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Since 4.07 p.m. on Friday, my dad took his last breath. His spirit and his soul won their way up to heaven. And now he is present with the Lord. He's absent from the body. We'll bury his remains Wednesday morning in their final resting place uh, on earth until the graves are opened someday uh, at the resurrection of the just. And we'll receive a new body. And uh, our bodies will be joined with our spirit and soul. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. It will be a glorified body. As the Lord's body. But not we won't be deities. But, but, but it's going to be an amazing body. The Bible says we are willing rather to be absent from the body. And to be present with the Lord. There's no soul sleep. There's nothing in between. It's you die, you take your last breath, and you see Jesus. You see the Lord. You're in the presence of the Lord. But for now, verse 9, wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Let me say this about my dad. He did not have one lazy bone in his body. You're going to get tired just listening to all the things he did here in a few minutes. Just listening to what he did in his life. He did not have one lazy, I, do ne- I have no recollection of him ever reading a newspaper. I have no recollection of him watching television. He called television the boob tube. 
He called it the idiot box. He said, aren't only idiots watch television? So he told it. That's how, that's how we grew up. And I, I don't remember him ever wasting time. Wherefore we labor that whether we're present with the Lord or absent, we may be accepted of him. We are not saved by works, but we're saved to work. For why? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Are you doing good today or are you doing bad we're going to all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Not to determine whether we go to heaven or not. You, you can determine that this morning. This is not a judgment that, about the salvation of our souls. This is about works and rewards and our standing before the Lord. We should labor. Verse 9, that means work. Work for the Lord. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. But, verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he hath ordained before that we should walk in them. We are saved to work. We are saved to labor. And someday our labors for Christ will be judged. Verse 10. We're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I know where you're going. I know where you're going. I know where your journey ends. Same place mine does, right before Christ. We may take different roads and different paths, but eventually they come right dead center in front of Jesus Christ, and you'll look them right in the eye. And you and I will give an account to the Lord after we were saved for the labor from the moment he saved us till we take our last breath or the rapture takes place and everything in between, whether it's good or bad. And some shall suffer loss. It tells us in uh, 1 Corinthians 3, some shall be rewarded. Uh, It matters the way we live. It matters the way we live after we're saved. Do good. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Find something good to do. Um, I know Mrs. Britt, our dear friend up in uh, Sanborn, she's so sick. Uh, We need to pray for her. Leo Britt, we need to pray for her. But one of the things she's trying to do is, as sick as she is and as suffering as she is, she tries to do one good thing a day. Amen, hallelujah. That's how we should live. Do something good today. Do something for others. Well, my dad went to be with his Savior two days ago, one day before his 91st birthday. He was born January 21st, 1932. He was the firstborn. Why am I glad I'm the lastborn in my family? I was firstborn. They, they, boy, my dad... It was rugged on my dad because my grandpa was a disciplinarian. Bob and Dorothy Cole, she lived to be 101.5 years old. They raised their six children. They raised us three after my mom died. We went to live with them for a while and had 32 foster children they took care of. Well, that's back when people had big hearts and lived for others and not themselves. That was my dad's parents. And I can remember those steep stairs going down into her dirt, dirt basement and, and, and her, her washboard where she washed the clothes. And then she had a ringer. And she put the clothes through and you'd, you'd turn the handle and the clothes would go through the ringer to get the water out. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't. And then she had ropes all over her basement and she put her... And, and she washed all of our clothes by hand. Those were his parents. Those were my dad's parents. He grew up for a short time in South Buffalo and then went over to the Winchester area off of Harlem Road, lived there for a while, and grew up, one of his friends was Al Shatner growing up, Big Al. 
some of us know him, and, and, and your, uh, your dad, um, Elling, um, Adam, they all grew up together and uh, had some good friends. My grandpa saw my dad's interest in farming, and he bought a six-acre farm in the village of Orchard Park. If you're ever going up North Buffalo Road 277 in Orchard Park, if you'll see there's a mall there right now with Panera Bread. Some of you know where the Panera Bread, that used to be our farm. That, all that land right there used to be our farm. And that was six acres, and they moved there, and he began to uh, farm, uh, six-acre uh, uh, farming, because my grandpa just saw that my dad loved husbandry. You know, that's what the Uzziah, remember him? He was one of the kings of Judah. And it says about Uzziah in Second Chronicles 26, verse 10, that he loved husbandry. It can be written of me, I hated husbandry. <laughs> I hated every day of it. <laughs> It was just work, man. But my dad loved husbandry. By the way, there's a lesson in that. The first part of that word is husband. A husband is a farmer. His wife and his children are the crops. And he's trying to raise, that's that's another sermon. My grandpa did everything he could to try to uh, get my dad from having to go into the war. The Korean War was going on. And my grandpa went and uh, literally got thrown out of a meeting before the draft board in Orchard Park trying to say how much he needed his son, George, at the farm because he had had five more children. But the draft board wouldn't buy it. And my dad had to go into the army in 1953. He served, I think, for almost three years. He rose to the rank of E6 staff sergeant in a very short time. He was sent to the Korean War for a a tour of 16 months. While he was there, a sergeant asked uh, for a volunteer one day, and my dad raised his hand. He didn't know what he was volunteering for. When I went in, they said, don't ever raise your hand. Don't volunteer for anything. My dad raised his hand. He said, okay, come here. You're going to be a platoon sergeant for a counterfire platoon. What's that? Well, we're going to teach you. And counterfire was where back in those days they'd have maps and coordinates, and if there was live fire coming in from the the North Koreans, communists, they would target that and they would counterfire mortars. And they would continue to counterfire and counterfire and counterfire and counterfire until there was silence from that coordinate. My dad was put in charge of a platoon of 21 men. And he said that one of the greatest accomplishments in his life that made him the happiest was that all 21 of them came home from Korea and not one was ever injured. That wasn't always the story. One of the uh, heartbreaking things to him that he never got over was another friend he had who wasn't in his platoon but was a mail carrier and, and uh, he carried uh, uh, supplies. My dad was on a mountaintop all those months with those 21 men. And doing the counterfire, and every week a man would come in a jeep with supplies for them, food. The jeep couldn't even make it up the mountain. It would get halfway up, they'd stop, and then all of them would go down and carry the rest by hand on their backs up to where they were living. My dad formed a bond with that mail carrier, that supply carrier, because my dad had gotten married just before going to Korea. And my mother, Helen Winkowski, had immediately become pregnant on their honeymoon. And this man also had a wife back in the States who was pregnant. And so they bonded because they missed their wives so much and their children. My brother George was born while my dad was still in Korea. My dad didn't see him, I think, till he was six months old. One day coming up the hill to bring supplies 
for the existence of my dad and his platoon, that uh, carrier was uh, killed by a North Korean sniper. And my dad lived with what some call for veterans uh, remorse, survivor's guilt, because why him and not me? And he always thought about that man's wife and their child, how they'd never grow up with a father. Uh, but he was able to come back. When you see veterans, when you see combat veterans especially, you tell them thank you. You and I have no idea. I'm, I'm the only one my dad ever shared his war stories with. And I never really repeated them while he was alive. But boy, the things they went through in those wars. And you see these veterans around. You just take a moment and say thank you. Appreciate it. Love our country. Love our freedom. Because you wouldn't believe the things they carry around, some of them, especially the combat veterans. from what they've suffered. Dad got home and uh, was reckon, re, you know, rejoined his wife and uh, his one son, George, my oldest brother. Then Dave came along in 55, and then I was born in 57. We were living in Blaisdell at the time on Arthur Avenue. She was sure I was a girl. Because you can tell by the way they carry them. I always hear people say, I can tell you, you got a girl. They never picked out a name for me. So they named me after the street we were living on off of South Park, Arthur Avenue. So that's what got my name. Dad uh, had his next heartbreak. When a few years after my birth, mother uh, contracted cancer, and she died December of 61 when I was four years of age. I barely remember her. Dad was devastated. He never got over that, never got over it. Uh, her picture was in his room Friday when I was there, Helen. Uh, she only lived to be 43 years old, and he was just devastated when his first wife passed away. She was his first love. And boy, we got to love each other while we have each other. Because, man, you never know. I mean, if you, got, if you have to reconcile with someone in your family, you do it as fast as you can, or at least do your part. Whether they want to or not, you do your part. And you love each other while we have each other. My dad struggled. He went to pieces. I, I saw him physically go to pieces. And spent some time trying to find help in a bottle. He remarried just a year later on a rebound. It was very ill-advised, hasty. And it was a very tumultuous wedding marriage to my stepmother. One that greatly disrupted the lives of my two brothers and I while we were growing up. I was only six when he remarried. We immediately moved from Blaisdell to another farm. We bought a second farm, 40 acres, just in the town of Aurora, just outside of Orchard Park. What a farm that was. 40 acre, beautiful farm. Just beautiful. Even though I hated it, it was beautiful. 11 buildings, three greenhouses. We had something to do all year long. We had 200 pigs, 400 chickens, not layers, but meat birds, and we had others that were layers that laid eggs. My dad had an exhibit of exotic birds, ring-neck pheasants, doves, pigeons, peacocks. He had one building, we called it the rabbit coop. He had all these different kind of rabbits in it. We had something going on all year. Christmas, we would sell Christmas trees, we'd make wreaths deliver fruit baskets. Man, it was work. We had one pump, hand pump, outside, and all those animals were watered every morning and every night from buckets we carried from the hand pump. We had no running water in any of the barns. 
we had to carry it by buckets. Didn't matter if it was a blizzard out, you had to water the, or how hot it was or anything. No vacations, never went on a vacation once growing up. One day we took a trip to Lancaster, Pennsylvania in 1972 to drive my, drop my brother George off at Bible College and then drove back the next day and got somebody to, to take care of the animals. Never had a vacation. I never went out of the state of New York till I joined the Army. And they shipped me off to South Carolina. Boy, I'll tell you what. We had to work every morning before work. The animals didn't say, hey, you got school, don't worry about us. You know, go off to school, hit us later, okay? No, they weren't like that. You had to water them and feed them every morning, then get changed in your school clothes, go to school, come back home, get changed in your work clothes, water and feed them. And then the greenhouses had to be watered twice a day. And then we did the field work, the crops, all spring through the fall. And then we take them to the Buffalo Market, Clinton Bailey Market, or to our grocery store in Orchard Park and sell them. And it, it was work. It was hard work, it was discipline, and it was character building. And even though I despised every day of it growing up, boy, it helped me in life. It helped my brother George, my brother Dave. And it helped us succeed in everything we tried to do. The character building, and the, you know, I had a lady stop by the other day at the church, just out of the blue, lives down here on Hemlock. We were just talking. She says, Pastor Cole, she said, these farmers around here are offering $18.25 an hour to young people to pick corn, and they won't do it. It's too hard to work. Wow. She says, these farmers are desperate around here for workers. They won't do it. It's too hard. It's too hard. That stuff will build character, discipline, and it will help you succeed in anything you do. I never thought I'd say it, but I'm so thankful I grew up on a farm. Dad was committed to the institution of marriage, and even though his second marriage was so lousy while we lived there, they worked at it. And by the time my stepmother died last year, they had been married for 58 years and had what appeared to be quite a good marriage at the end. Went on cruises and all kinds of stuff. He got rid of all the animals and everything as soon as we left. I mean, it was just, as soon as we left, it was like, what? He honored the institution of marriage and combined was married for 65 years. 65 years. Up till then, his remarriage, we had grown up in a house that had religion we had church. It was a mixture of Catholic and Protestant. My, both my mothers were Catholic. My dad was Protestant, United Church of Christ. But as of that time, he nor any of us had really a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And religion was very empty, at least to me. I think my brothers and dad the same way. But after... His wife died, and he remarried, and he was working the two farms. He had the store in Orchard Park. At the same time, he was a meat cutter for the A&P store on the city line of Buffalo for 20 years. He was hitting the bottle, leaning on alcohol for a little while, trying to cope with what he's been through. But he worked with two men. At AMP, one was named Buddy Bond from Springville, and the other was Ellsworth Ivy from Derby. They were born again Christians. They talked to my dad at work. My dad said to his dying breath, they were living epistles. He saw Christ in them. He saw something different. And Ellsworth was in church here this summer. Some of you met him. He was here three times. He's still alive. Lives on Derby Road in Derby. I've thanked him so many times. My dad said, we persecuted Ellsworth every day. 
We laughed at him. We mocked him out. We avoided him. He says, but I saw Christ in him. And he'd give me tracts. He gave me a Bible. I saw something different in him and Buddy Bond, who was a Pentecostal preacher, both bivocational, out in Springville. He said those guys would say, George, alcohol's not the answer. You got three boys to raise. You need the Lord. And after seven years of working with Ellsworth Ivy, he said, it's real. And he read the tracts in the Bible and he was sitting out on a rock in Casanova Creek in South Buffalo and it all made sense. And he cried out and said, Lord Jesus, save me. Save me. And the Lord did more than save him. I got a new father. He came home. He was a new creature in Christ Jesus. He didn't know what he was doing. He was a babe. But he began to be concerned for George and Dave and I. He didn't know how to tell us what had happened to him. And so he found a church, a little church in West Falls. And about a year after, my dad got saved. He took us to the West Falls Bible Church. And I believe it was the first Sunday I ever went there. I'd seen my dad changed. And I heard Pastor Bob Ashbach preach the gospel. And he got to John chapter 10, verse 9, and he quoted Jesus who said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And at the end of that sermon, he had a prayer, and I prayed. And I received Jesus Christ as my Savior in November of 1969. And I became a new creature. George got saved. Dave got saved. And between George, myself, and my dad, we all became pastors. We've served in that capacity for 110 years. If you add them up, 110 years. Now, I say that so you'll remember Ellsworth Ivy. Where do you work? Who are you influencing? You need to be a good testimony at your school, if you're in college, high school, where you work, because you have no idea what might happen if you'll influence one person to be saved, what God might do with that person. My dad went on to work for 20 years on the board of City Mission and helped them move from Broadway to the new facility and to build a home for the troubled women, the, the abused women, down there uh, by Buffalo General Hospital. Nine of those years, he was president of the city mission. My dad got a work at home. Now, this is correspondence schools. He got his bachelor's and his master's in theology from Andersonville Theological Seminary. That was correspondence. That, that wasn't Zoom. We didn't have that. That was writing things, sending him in, having him correct, bringing it back, and doing that. He, now, this is while he's doing all that work. He gets his bachelor's, his master's, and then later in life he would get his doctorate degree from Kingsbury Theological Seminary. Work. He would start attending church every time the doors were open at that West Falls Bible Church. We'd go for Sunday school. We'd go for Sunday mornings. We'd go Sunday nights. We'd go Wednesday night. This is while he's doing all that work, all that studying, never missing services. He'd take us to Houghton College one year for personal evangelism courses. I was only 14 years of age when they used to have the Houghton campus on the West Seneca campus and we learned personal evangelism. And there we learned, I learned as a 14-year-old boy how to present the gospel and share the Lord Jesus Christ with others and draw the net and try to get them to be saved. And it started a life of soul winning for me. And for Dave and for George and for my dad, we'd go out to the Erie County Fair. We had a friend named Ted Dexter who had a booth out there at the Bazaar Building. And there we would work and we would lead kids. We, we used to be able to lead children to Christ. Can't do that now. 
unless their parents are there. We'd have children come in. We have over 100 converts every single summer at the Erie County Fair. Ted Dexter did that for 41 years. And my dad was out there. This is while he was busy. This is while he was working. This is while he was studying. And uh, we would go there. We became involved in the Grace and Hope Mission, which isn't in Buffalo anymore. used to be down there. And my dad would get opportunities to preach and teach. And I'm, I'm looking at my dad up there. I'd, get, I'd actually play my trumpet. We'd give testimonies. Go to the city mission. Man, you name it. We were, we were going to Otisega when missionaries were in speaking. Otisega. And, and my dad just took us to everything. This is while he was busy. And later after his stint with the City Mission, he became pastor of two churches, Emmanuel Church and Orchard Park for 13 years, Wales Center Community Baptist Church and Wales Center uh, for uh, another 14 years, pastoring local churches, bivocational while he was still working, doing all these jobs. Never made excuses. Didn't have a lazy bone in his body. But he served the Lord. And then when he was 80 years of age, he finally retired as a pastor. Kept working, but 80 years of age. Spent the last 10 years as a member of the Calvary Heights Baptist Church in Elma. In some ways, he led an extraordinary life. He set his his affairs in order before he died. It would take my Uncle Jerry and my brother George, power of attorney, all afternoon to explain to you uh, what that means, setting his house in order. I mean, he, 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 he had his monument on his grave for 10 years before he or my stepmother died. I'm talking about the details. So that now us, none of us, have anything to even think about. It's all done. I've done 250 funerals in my life. I don't know much more than destroys families and funerals when there's been no preparation, when there's been no lawyer, when there's been no uh, wishes put down in writing and then people start fighting over things. Not my dad. Isaiah told Hezekiah one time, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. That wasn't a very pleasant sermon. But there's wisdom right there. It's wisdom. And now he's gone to his reward. My prayer for dad has been the prayer of Nehemiah, the very last thing he ever said in his book, the book of Nehemiah. He said, O Lord... Remember me, oh my God, for good. And I thank the Lord for my dad. For to live as Christ and to die is gain. Sorry for your loss, Pastor Cole. Many of you have said that thank you. But it's been his gain. For to depart and to be with Christ is far better. Now, that's a little bit better. No, no, it's far better. You see, it's called paradise. It comes from a Hebrew word, paradise, which refers in the Old Testament to orchards, gardens, and trees. My dad loved husbandry. Paradise, orchards, gardens, and uh, trees. You're going to want to go to heaven when you die, folks. You're going to want to go to heaven. I can't imagine what it's like for him now. The prophet Isaiah said, The righteous perisheth, and no man layeth it to heart, and merciful men are taken away. None considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil that is to come. He will enter into peace. They shall rest in their beds, each one walking 
in his uprightness. Seven times in the Old Testament, it describes a person's death as being gathered under their people. Moses, Jacob, Isaac. It says they gave up the ghost and they were gathered unto their people. Isn't that precious? Reunion. So many of his friends, loved ones, were already saved. We're waiting for them. Someone once said, well, that just means they all got buried in the same cemetery. And No, no, no. The Bible says Moses gave up the ghost and was gathered unto his people, and nobody knows where the body of Moses was ever buried. It's not talking about our earthly graves. It's talking about a reunion. We're going to know each other up there. The Bible's so clear about that. And we're going to have a reunion someday. Some of you got loved ones up there. We'll be reunited. I'm almost done. I've come to love this verse so much. Luke 20, 36, neither can they die anymore. It's like getting your wisdom teeth pulled. You only do it once. You only die once if you're a believer. Neither can they die anymore. For they are equal unto the angels. The angels are not affected by gravity. They're powerful. They can move at amazing speeds. They are equal unto the angels and are the children of God being the children of the resurrection. Isn't that something? Neither can they die anymore. Isn't that precious? I've been thanking the Lord for my dad. And remembering the good things. My dad was all the way in. He didn't piddle around the edges. He jumped in the deep end. You know what we used to do on our way to church at home every Sunday? We'd go over our memory work. He'd say, boys, I want you to memorize Psalm 100. I want you to memorize Psalm 1. I want you to memorize Psalm 23. I want you to memorize the Beatitudes. I want you to memorize the Ten Commandments. I want you to memorize the Twelve Apostles. And he'd just give us memory verse. And all the way to church, we would recite that memory work. And on the way home. You think that hasn't helped me? You think that hasn't helped? Dad's, your husband's husbandry. I hope maybe you've learned a few things from my dad's life today. You can emulate or begin. Just he, he had to get started. He never did any of this. But he had to start one day. We all need to start one day. You need to get saved first and then start one day. He used to take us to prayer meeting. My palms, I, I remember being a, a young teenager, my palms were just sweating as they were praying around in a circle. I know they're going to get to me. But boy, I'm so glad I was taught how to pray and I caught how to pray. Young in my life. In my life. And everything he did. This blows my mind. Everything I explained that he did, he did it without the support of his wife. Never had the support of his wife. I couldn't have done anything in 40 years without the support of my wife. I thank God for my dad. Do you know the Lord? Are you saved? Where will you spend eternity? Eternity is a long, long time. Where will you spend 
eternity. It's so simple to be saved. One day my dad said, God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Lord Jesus, save me. And he believed that Jesus Christ had died on the cross for his sins, was buried, and he rose again. The third day, he's alive forevermore. And perhaps right now he's knocking on the door of your heart. He won't barge into anyone's life, but if you open the door of your heart and ask the Lord Jesus to come in and save you from your sins, he will save you this morning. He'll make you a new creature. And who knows what kind of a life you'll be able to live for him and who you'll be able to influence. But boy, my dad had an influence on me. I'll close with this. I got away from the Lord when I was in the army. Backslid badly. I was told years later that when my dad found out, he would pray almost every night for me. Many times with tears. That I'd come back to God and live for the Lord. That's probably why I'm a pastor here today. Because of the prayers of my dad. Do you have somebody you need to pray for? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We're going to have a little time of prayer. If you need to come to this altar and pray about anything, the altar is always open. This church is a house of prayer. The Bible says so. Maybe you want to pray for somebody. Like my dad prayed for me. God heard his prayers. You come now as the piano begins to play a song of invitation. If you're here today and you're not saved, Dad called on the Lord Jesus sitting on a rock by Casanova Creek. Said, Lord Jesus, I need you. Save me. Would you call on the Lord right where you're sitting? My brother Dave got saved kneeling down by his bed one day. I got saved standing up during an invitation at church. The pastor said, if you'd like to be saved, pray this prayer. Believe on Jesus Christ. Receive him as your Savior. The Lord saved me. George got saved. And to some extent, the good Lord has used us all. And it maybe wasn't because of my dad. Maybe it was because of Ellsworth Ivy. Would you present yourself today as an Ellsworth Ivy to the Lord? And would you say, Lord, I'm not going to hide my candle under a bushel. I'm not going to hide my candle under a bed. I'm going to put my candle on a candlestick. And where I work and where I go to school, they're going to know there's a Christian there. I'm not going to be a nut. I'm not going to be a fanatic. I'm not going to turn people off. But God, if you'll give me the grace and the filling of the Holy Spirit in my neighborhood, my neighbors are going to know there's a Christian there. Maybe you'll be like Ellsworth Ivy. My dad said he was persecuted every day, but he stood. My dad knew it was real. My dad got saved. If you'll trust Christ as your Savior today, then right where you're sitting, would you pray this prayer? Not out loud. But would you say, Dear Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. Please save me from my sins. Please cleanse me in your precious blood. I believe in you with all of my heart and trust you right now as my Savior. Please give me eternal life. Is that your cry? Is that your prayer today to God? No one's looking, but if it is, would you raise your hand and say, God knows my heart. God bless you. 
Is there anyone else? God knows my heart. I've asked Jesus to save me. God bless you. Is there anyone else? God knows my heart. I need to be saved. I've asked Jesus to save me today. Anybody else? Father, I want to thank you for my dad. I want to thank you, Lord. I know we've cried this week. It's been a tough year for our family and for many of these families who know what I'm going through and I know what they're going through. But Lord, your word says one generation comes and another goes, but the world abides forever. And it's just the season of life. But I just thank you that when my dad got saved, he got so concerned about us. I pray dads in this room would be concerned about every single child they have. Grandparents would become concerned with every grandchild they have. That dads would lead devotions at their house and have their kids memorize scriptures that will stay with them forever. And oh, Holy Spirit, when I was backslidden, how I remember so many verses my dad made me memorize that restrained me from wrecking my life. Lord, I pray for dads and moms to pray for their prodigal sons and daughters and not to quit even if it takes years like it took me, that they would come back and rededicate their lives to the Lord. And Lord, help all of us that are saved to be comforted by the words of the Apostle Paul through the Holy Ghost. For we know. Thank you for this assurance. Bless us now as we dismiss, for we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sure appreciate your attendance. Thanks for putting up with my memorial service for my dad. Thanks for understanding.